Obviously, Doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. I Hello and welcome back to Hate Fiction. Today I'm here with a very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? I've never said my name anywhere, so it's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, you can introduce yourself with like your Twitter name if you want. Um, on my Twitter name, I can say my real name, that's fine. My Twitter name is Sappho's Viper and my real name is Rochelle. Cool. Uh, it's a really pretty name. Thank you. Uh, not everybody now knows that. Um, good for you for all the yeah. listeners. <laughs> yeah, this is like a little docs moment <laughs> within like the first five minutes of the episode. Um, but I brought you in here today to talk about um, a show that has traumatized all of us. <laughs> all of us meaning all the teenagers that grew up during the early 2010s. Uh, American Horror Story. What's your experience with it? Well, my experience is very deep. Like As we kind of briefly yeah. touched on it. It's very deep as in like, as, you know, as a Tumblr user... we're we're all in recovery it's fine yeah as a current twitter user it's been like a show that has followed me on every social media that i have ever used it is a show that i have formed bonds and friendships on the internet over a show that i recommended countless people over (laughs) to countless people too and i have um Regrettably done that. I don't know why it's <laughs> sending my trauma, yeah, like lonely word to other people, and it's just yeah, it's just taken over too many points of my life when I was like too young to watch it. Is something I probably realize now too. I mean, no one's ever old enough to watch that show because it's not like a That's horror right. show, horror show, no. right? It's like a horror thing. Like it's like an yes. entity that no one should ever interact with because it's so demonic. <laughs> It's exactly that because like, I think the scariest thing about it was like the intro where they had all like well it was like yeah. severed baby heads or like things in jars or like blah that was like the scariest thing about it everything else was like very mild it was just the way everything presented everything was presented and every, just the general vibe the themes inflicted upon you every time you sat down to watch an episode or binge an entire season yeah. <laughs> which it was in my case how I really got into the show it was it was it's a very strange experience i don't know how they managed to create a show like that because that's right from these other productions while strange I mean, glee was another <laughs> was, was quite an experience something i also watched because somebody else recommended it to me. oh no that's like introducing your friends to drugs you should never do it was, that it was, the funny thing was is my friend he got me to watch it while i had like i had a uh, like I had a broken like leg. So. Oh no! Uh, like I was like half immobile. Oh my god! <laughs> Basically, like okay, so now that you can't move, I'm gonna torture you. <laughs> That's how that went. That's how I started watching late. That's awful. Did you watch all the seasons? Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> How did that show end? I was wondering. Like, I watched the first season. I hated it, but I couldn't stop watching it. It's just like. Yeah. 
It's like a drug, but like yes. then I never finished it. Thank God. Um, um, I did finish. I don't even remember because like I ended up. Uh, I have to think of like the shows that I clearly don't like. I end up watching them so quickly that I like end up forgetting parts of it. Yeah. So I don't remember, but I remember they were all in New York, and uh, I think they all ended up going back. They got two of them got married. The gay couple and the lesbian couple got married, and something along the lines of that was close to the end. I see. Cool. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> Yeah, very <laughs> only positivity coming from Ryan Murphy. Nothing else. <laughs> Do you know the the recent show that he did on um, Pose? I think it's called like about yes. like drag queens and whatever, yes, like and ball the ballroom stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. I remember like I watched the first season. I actually didn't hate that show. The show was fine. I thought mm-hmm. it was like good TV. And then the second season was awful, which is usually the case with Ryan Murphy shows. Like the first, yes. he he can hold it together during the first season. They're like always like if they're not full-on good at least they're entertaining but like during the second season things always fall apart for him but like um i remember reading an interview that some of the actors from that show did and they were talking about how like their main mission with that show was to present a positive image to the queer kids watching or something that's why like all the all the queer characters get like a happy ending (laughs) it's just so that's also like completely unrealistic because i've seen like documentaries about that like the lifestyle from that time and as much as like they wanted to have like a good time and like they were basically in it for like a good time not a long time that was basically the yeah like it wasn't you know i'm gonna try to be positive it was like well i'm gonna do some drugs i'm gonna do some dance i'm gonna make some outfits yeah and then i'll probably die but at least it was fun it wasn't you know i'm gonna get married and have a nice life with you know (laughs) my husband you know despite you know gay marriage rights it wasn't that yeah no absolutely but yeah that's kind of what the show that's the direction that the show went into like i think one of the main character ends up with like another main character and they like get married and create like their own little family it's just so it's so bizarre i think with ryan murphy it's like a lot of you know the first like the first season like as you were mentioning it's like it's hard to describe because i don't know much about (laughs) <laughs> anything I, it's hard to describe because it seems like you know it's somebody really holding him back it's like somebody it puts him into like a bondage set yeah because i don't know anything about it it's like somebody is like holding him and it's like a weird it's like he has to be restricted yeah and he gets off on like being restricted for the first season and then hit all his like weird just <laughs> go loose the second season and however he progresses and that's how it goes for the rest of his shows american horror show is a little different because everybody considers the second season to be the best yeah, I think the first one's like a classic for all the yes. all the depressed girls, and the second yes, one is it actually is of, good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but yeah, and then the, yeah, second season's good, and then like the third season, everybody loves because of the witches, and that's like because that's like been the thing. It's been you know, love witches, love tarot cards, love wearing black on Wednesdays. <laughs> that's it's you know, it's classic. You can't not fall prey to absolutely. Yeah, no, that's totally true. But the thing with American Horror Story, as you said, like, yeah, the second season is, like, good TV. Like, it's just a classically good season. Like, it's entertaining. It's kind of scary. It's, like, a good season to watch. Well, the first season and the third seasons are kind of, like, they were made specifically for, like, girls on the internet. Like, it's, like, a weird simulacra because it's, like, all these, like, weird, like, teen obsessions packed together into this like product (laughs) that was sold to us 
on like online on like Tumblr and wherever. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm still like confused how Ryan Murphy got this insight onto into like teenage girls' lives. Yeah, I mean that's that's what happens when you sell your when you sell your soul to the devil. I guess he like tells you what teen girls like. Uh, I guess it must be that. And also, he did in season three. There's literally a devil, like a voodoo devil, yeah. which you can sell your soul to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the teenage girls and there's like I don't, I don't remember the plot at this point. I used to, I definitely rewatched the first one season more than once because I was like, and also I was a big I was obsessed with Jessica Lang. I was one of those. Oh, she's so uh, I was cool. like it was like I was like split into two categories. I was like the teenage girl plus the had like the Jessica Lang obsession, which is like I because I'm insane. At least I was <laughs> insane. So that was like my social media circle. Uh, things you know to post things to write about um give sets to her blog that's cute <laughs> we love that yeah it's a totally normal <laughs> totally normal things for like a 14 year old to do I mean, that's what we all did online. I I reposted, re- I was going to say retweet it, but like reposted like endless gifs of like Tate and Violet on Tumblr. Yeah. Like my whole Tumblr was basically that. I I was thinking, uh, I, was, I thought about this when the Yahoo Answers um, went down, but that had like a lot of content for Married Horror Story. Like, what kind of music does Violet listen to? Um, <laughs> Uh, it was like, what kind of clothes does Violet um, wear? Um, Deepa, what do you think about Violet's suicidal ideations? <laughs> and I was on Yahoo Answers. So, you know, now, all, now that library of content is gone. That's so sad. That, but I remember that being on Yahoo Answers. Not even Tumblr, Yahoo. <laughs> I I never I never went that deep, thankfully, or I mean maybe regretfully so. But um, no, it's just like if you Google, I remember it was like I don't know maybe it's because. Yahoo Answers is like a thing in like the US so easily, but it's like if you Google certain things, I remember it being like a fourth you, the Google search. Like you Google something, Violet, American Horror Story, you get like a Tumblr and then you get like a Yahoo Answers. And it's like not, you know, it's not something I was like actively like researching. What do they, it just <laughs> pops up. Not even now, because like when, you know, you mentioned this to me about like that we would be talking about this, I was like, oh, I'm going to look her up um, on Tumblr now. So yeah. I went back and I looked her up. I was like, oh, it's basically the same thing. I did see those screenshots from Yahoo Answers that people took before it went down. I was like, okay, so I wasn't like making this up. This is something that was like legitimately like very popular to do. That's so scary. Well, <laughs> how did that how did that yes. spread everywhere? I mean, I'm just like thinking, like imagining like tea, like 13-year-old teen girls like just <laughs> posting stuff on Yahoo Answers about Violet of all people. Yeah. Because it's not like, I'm assuming it wasn't like adult men answering. It was like other teenage girls talking Hopefully. to teenage girls on Yahoo Answers. And it's like so weird because I've never answered anybody on Yahoo Answers. Yeah, I didn't even but know that thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew it was a thing because I know me and my friends would like mess around and like like Google random things. But because you get like the randomest things on it. Uh, but it was just like bizarre that this fandom. transfer over to this site that's supposed to you know that also has answers to math problems yeah 
No, that's cute. That's cute. That like brings me back to those insane times. I I just remember like seeing like, you know, this like what was that app called? Like Polyvore or something? Like when people yes. made outfits and stuff. And I remember like seeing those screenshots of like violet outfits, like you know, how to dress grunge, like get the hat. I had the little hat, like the little black thing. Oh really? Oh wow. <laughs> I did, yeah. Uh, it's still somewhere in my parents' summer house, but like yeah, I had that little thing and it was just like I don't know. It was it was a time and a place to be. <laughs> it really was. I remember Polyvore quite well. Um, I remember, yeah, that was that was a thing. I, it was actually it was not a bad website. Uh, no, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I kind of wish it would come yeah. back. It was like a lot I of fun. Know. They, I, I don't know. I, I know why I shut down and like bought it, but it was just like unfortunate because it was like all of a sudden and like you don't see it anymore. Yeah. No, it was really sad. And I remember there were like whole, like later in the later years, um, there were like whole like Instagram pages dedicated to like different outfits mm-hmm. and aesthetics and stuff. It, it was kind of cute. Like now all you get is like teens on TikTok being like, you know, what, what aesthetic is this? Like how do I search this up on Pinterest? But it was cute. I still don't use TikTok. Like, I have still been, like, in a refusal to ever go and download TikTok because, I mean, I see enough of it on Instagram. I see people reposted on Twitter. I'm like, that's enough of TikTok that's, for me, personally. Yeah. Also, like, what my brother shows me. Oh, you know, this is enough of it in my life. I don't need anymore. Yeah, I also have a little sister who sends me TikToks. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's traumatizing. But yeah, that's. But, like, to bring it back to American Horror Story and, like, Ryan Murphy and stuff, like, it's funny because the fact that Violet's, Violet was so, like, popular and resonated so much with teen girls is interesting because the only other characters that I've ever seen do that were either from movies directed by women or from, like, you know, classic books like The Virgin Suicides and whatever. Like, I don't yeah. remember... Or, like, you know, like, yeah, Sofia Coppola movies or, like, Catherine Hardwick movies, like, the movie 13 and stuff. Like, that was kind of – but that was kind of understandable, right? It's, like, a movie by women, written, whatever. But it's just, like – and teen girls usually gravitate towards that. But Ryan Murphy somehow managed in his, like, weird satanic way to, like, do it himself (laughs) and, like, attract all, like, all of that. I don't have an answer as to how the how he really did it. It is like always been a surprise. But hey, the 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 image is like frozen and I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Maybe this is just Ryan Murphy's doing, you know, like he can. Oh yeah, he doesn't want us talking about it. He knows we're gonna expose him. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you know, you can't mention his name without him <laughs> doing stuff to your <laughs> internet connection. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, like the I don't know, the weird way that he somehow how he did managed. It. Yeah. I honestly I can't really say how he did it because it really is peculiar that he was able to get like such a good insight onto the psyche of the teenage girl. But, but I mean, at the same time, it's kind of like weird, right? Because Rankin Horror Story has this like uncanny feeling to it as in it's like, it doesn't feel like a show exactly. It's like, they're all the, it's like, it's like a video edit with like dialogue written specifically to be quoted on social media under like aesthetic pictures of the actors and the pictures are like you know like the screenshots from the show are always framed to be like perfect for gifs and like posts and stuff like it's like 
very strange because when when the show first started, social media wasn't even like, I know now they do that. I mean, they admit to doing that, right? Like Riverdale, yes. like all those shows or like even Euphoria. Like I remember hearing this theory that like, or I think they admitted it, that like the makeup stuff in Euphoria was done so that the show would become popular on Instagram and people would be recreating yeah. like the makeup looks. But like when American Horror Story started, that wasn't a thing yet. Like social media wasn't that big. It's like he predicted it and like managed to create this like, weird weird thing i think we have to give him some credit unfortunately in that he is a a smart creator creator, but he is a smart man a smart producer in making shows and making television that is watchable enjoyable on some level at least immediately at least the way it like triggers your kind of synapses immediately uh maybe not in the long term because I can't watch the shows now. I used to be when I would like watch them back to back and even rewatch them again, mm-hmm. I would be able to like quickly handle it. Now I can't. I can't sit down and watch that show. But what he I don't know, it's just it's really strange because he can't really can't really call what he does anyway like artistic or anything or groundbreaking. Yeah. Because it's not you're not gonna put him up with like any famed cinematographers, any famed producers. It's just some kind of uncanny ability that he has that we have to give him credit for. Yeah. Because he was able to do it. No, for sure. But I mean, he is in a way talented and artistic in a sense. Like it's very Warholian, right? Like Warhol got that right as well. Isn't it? Yeah. Like you, you know, you have this image of a celebrity or you have this like image of literally anybody. You can make anyone into a star if you like present them in a oh, certain way. Yeah. That's and he did. One of the things he like, made so many people stars. That's one of it's like so that's what is that's what I always talked about with like people is that he has ability to convince you that everybody in the show, other than the people that he brought on that were already great, but he brought on Jessica Lang, who had a substantial career before that. He brought on Angela Bassett, um, Kathy Bates. Like those people had great careers before then. I'm yeah. missing a few people. But yes. Uh, but all those new people, like Sarah Paulson, as I talked about before, is a, like a social climber. And she, Ryan <laughs> Murphy picked her up very, very well, and now she's everywhere. Uh, yeah, she was like, like nobody ever. before. I don't remember no, seeing like, her in a single movie ever. No, what she did before is like she was nobody, and then she started dating some women who were like more popular than her, and then she landed up with Ryan Murphy, and now <laughs> here we are having to constantly deal with her in Ryan Murphy productions and outside of Ryan Murphy productions. Yeah, she's and I, I personally everything. do not want to see her ever. <laughs> That's true. She's in everything. She was in like she's in his movies and his shows. She was in that Ocean Ocean Eight of comedy. Yeah, yes, which was a boring. It was awful. So stupid. Yeah, she was in Carol, which is like I know she technically fits into it because like she, who she dates, it, but like that movie was so popular, especially with like the demographic I was in, um, so she had the time. But I was like, why was she in it? She was like, she had no point being in it. And I'm sure I'm sure that it was Robin's work that Probably. she got into it. Yeah, no, like, it's crazy. It's it's like yeah, he acts as an agent for everybody that works for him. I mean, yeah, it's like Warhol. Yeah, it's like Warhol. Like, good for him. He did it. it. It's like, yeah, it's like a really strange, I don't know. It's a very strange ability to be able to do that. But I mean, good for him, good for them, good for everybody. (laughs) It's totally demonic, but what are we going to do? We we can't do anything. It's really hard to explain. I think one of the things this kid kind of latched onto is like being in 
you know, in the business in the industry, he probably has some kind of insight as to what's going to happen in the world. Like obviously Hollywood, they're out of touch with us and like reality a little bit, but at the same time, they're so in tune and so ahead of, um, you know, regular people. They know what's going to happen in other industries. That this is kind of like what you know. I have like a was you when you talk when you mentioned this before. I was like, oh, I'm writing about. Uh, <laughs> Violet for the first season and about like oh tell us (laughs) uh, so I'm writing about like um and this is gonna get done when I finish my summer class uh physics uh will wait for no one (laughs) but my writing apparently will uh it's about basically you know we have like all these mental health crisis now everybody's depressed everybody's anxious but I would prefer much better if every girl acted like Violet from season one (laughs) before being put on pills for the rest of her life that's basically what it's about, if I were to heavily, heavily summarize it. And I think because he was able to kind of, as a Hollywood person who clearly has a lot of power, he maybe he had some kind of insight onto what's happening. He saw people around him and, like, what was going on with their mental struggles. Maybe yeah. he saw that this is kind of the direction things were going in, and it kind of did, like, what, the season came out in 2011? Yeah. The, all these mental health things started, like, a few years later. But and in now a way, we're just full force into it. But don't you think that it kind of triggered it in a lot of ways? Because I remember girls oh, yeah. being going around being like, or, you know, like, I, I'm going to act like Violet because I want to Tate as well. And, like, I swear to God, oh, like, yeah. a lot of girls, like, made themselves depressed on purpose yeah. because of the show. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's, I think that's part of it. Just, like, I think he saw, like, the way that people were heading into, like, all these kind of, like, depressive states. Because in Hollywood, I think it's, like, so like heavily it's like so around like we see me with child stars you saw all of them acting you know you you know the child star syndrome and i think he saw that he was able to kind of like go into that and like play up like a thing okay like what if you have a character who is like that but normal girl Hmm. and then uh, i'm not sure exactly what i'm going with yeah yeah it's like so he was able to kind of predict the state of the like mental health crisis is the one I'm going to keep calling it. Uh, but before it, it, it diverted down the path of like constant medications and constant therapy. And that's what he created in like Violet in the show. That makes any sense. I mean, yeah, kind of, but I mean, her dad was also a therapist. Like, yeah. or like a psychiatrist, right? Like, I mean, he was like yeah. a mental health, whatever professional, which is like, it's interesting because Again, yeah, I guess you could say that, like, he predicted it or he triggered it. But it's the thing with, like, with, like, Hollywood stars and stuff. I think the stuff that's happening to girls in general now or, like, to literally everybody, like, the mental health stuff and whatever. You're right. Like, it started from, like, Hollywood and it started from, like, Mm -hmm. stars and stuff, right? It's, like, a lot of of the way that people maybe has something to do with social media. Like, the fact that people kind of are, like, suffering from fame almost like it's like this idea of like because you know like also like the Kurt Cobain stuff and stuff where it's like people are like they feel uncomfortable being watched they feel uncomfortable with their fame they feel uncomfortable with like all the pressure that comes with it it's almost like everyone now suffers from it to a certain extent Mm -hmm. where it's like people feel exhausted from constantly being on display so they're displaying the symptoms that beforehand literally like only like I don't know famous people had it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, that, that yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think yeah, I think just because he is so close to one, he's in Hollywood and two industries that because they 
the closer you are to money, the closer you are to power, the more industries are like drawn to you. Like whether it's like medicine, pharmaceutical, like everything's just going to be closer to you. You're going to understand it better. You can have like a more progressive approach to it. Not progressive as like politically progressive, but more like you're going to know what's happening five years before everybody else kind of way that he kind of, he just understood what's going to happen with like teenage girls. And he was, he kind of, and he used that possibly this is just theories. I could be very wrong to show is like, yeah, she, he had like a girl who was opposed to like what her dad was kind of doing. Like she, she didn't really want to be in like the psychiatrist chair that her dad uh, had for his patients. Yeah. And that, but now, like, everybody is in the psychiatrist chair eventually because everybody's being sent to like, a psychologist. <laughs> yeah, for everyone's every other reason. Now. <laughs> for sure. No, but it's, but it's not just in Violet, to be honest. Like, the third season with the witches as well. Oh, yeah. Like, the, you know, like, the infamous monologue that, um, Emma Roberts' character has like when she's like sitting after she like died and was resurrected like she's like sitting on the staircase and she's like talking about her like eating yes. disorder and she's like you know like before I died I could like um I never ate it was about like, like the kids born like like between 9-11 or whatever yeah, like yeah yeah it's like it's corny looking back but like yes. it hit the right way when it first aired and it's kind of like I don't know um I just I just thought of it like you know I don't know if you've seen Euphoria but um I haven't uh, that's probably for the best (laughs) um but there is like an opening monologue when the show begins like Rue the main character is like talking about yeah like being a zoomer and um it's like very similar to that it has this like very corny uncanny feeling to it I don't want I don't want to watch that now because I feel like I'm gonna relate to I am a zoomer (laughs) like an older zoomer I, I don't know yeah I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely much younger. I'm, my voice, I had a cold recently. My voice sounds a lot deeper than normal, but uh, I'm definitely much younger than um, Emma <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, how old is she now? She's like 28. She's pregnant, right? Yeah. She had a child or something. I mean, yeah, yeah. she's like a millennial. Well, I am like significantly younger than Emma Roberts then. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely not like in her shoes at like in season three, but like it's still, yeah. you know, hearing them like, yeah. No, it still hit right, because yeah, I think there's yes. something about, like, the female experience and, like, being, you know, like, a, a girl and, like, an object of desire and stuff, like, not to sound corny, but, like, yeah, like, an object of desire and stuff that, like, I think everyone can resonate, like, everyone can kind of relate to that to a certain extent, especially, like, or at least everyone wants to relate to that to a certain extent, because I think with characters like Violet or, like, characters like Emma Roberts' character in season three, like, you kind of are meant to want to be those girls, even though they're, like, miserable and, like, suicidal or whatever. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Sofia Coppola's character. It's like, you want to be them. I wonder, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, I I say I wonder, but I think that there's definitely, like, answers, and they're not that difficult to figure out as to, like, why we want to (laughs) suffer. I think it's, like, sometimes, I think at this point, like, sometimes, like, life gets too easy that you want to suffer because, you know, everything is, like, I have my phone, I have my computer, I have my bottled water, I have, like, everything in my soul, like, I'm sitting in my room with, like, everything I possibly need, like, excessive things, like, I'm looking, I have a purse that I bought that I probably never use because it's, like, so beyond, (laughs) like, just anything I will ever have to carry out of my house, but it's just so nice looking. Yeah. I, I want to suffer. <laughs> no, but I think also... It's just too much. 
suffering is aesthetic. I think that's what we yes. wanted. Because everything is so ugly now. Depression and suffering and melancholy oh, yeah. is the only thing we have. It's like yeah. the only thing that still kind of was preserved in this like, you know, I don't know, like cocoon. Like you can like cocoon yourself into misery. Like, you know, like I don't yeah. know, listening to the Smiths on repeat and stuff like that. Like like every I think everyone kind of like it feels good. It feels good to suffer. Well, it does, like, I know that's, like, a basis of, like, a lot of religious things. Like, people go to, what, the convents, um, and yeah, it, they don't call it suffering, but I'm pretty sure a lot of it is. Yeah. There's, like, silent, I'm still forgetting, like, monasteries and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And those can't be pleasant to live in. Definitely not. But, you know, people choose to go to them, and people choose to spend their lives in silence, and, like, praying for one hour a day or like two hours a day and everything else is just tiny room tiny amounts of sunlight and like gardening and that's that's it i mean yeah but that's how a lot of depressed people live as well <laughs> it's just, yeah, you, it don't, you don't talk to anyone you cocoon yourself in your room and you like go out sometimes maybe exchange like three yes. words with someone but i think suffering is a religious experience and i think people are drawn to it like intuitively for that reason because it like brings you closer to god in a way and in a godless world that we live in today, <laughs> I feel special. And it, I, I think it's true because a lot of people come out of like a depressive state. Well, in their depressive state, they kind of renounce God and they're like, well, how could, you know, of course I don't believe. They, they kind of do like, not that like Reddit atheist thing, but like something a little more aesthetically pleasing <laughs> than a Reddit atheist. <laughs> uh, but they do something similar to that where they're like, of course, cause isn't real, and they do like a very angsty take on that. Yeah, but and then they come, but they come out of it um, much more fulfilled in a way because once you start depriving yourself of basically everything, because you're not really owed happiness in life, you but you kind of will be constantly want it. Yeah, and once you reach that final low, you only have to go up. Um, of course, you're gonna feel like the sense of God. For sure. Yeah. No, but happiness is also not a sustainable feeling and misery is. You could totally live in misery for years and years, but like, you can't even be happy for two days. Like something's going to happen. So I think in like an ever-changing world, suffering feels like a constant that you can always turn to. And I think girls especially tend to turn to that because it's pretty. (laughs) I am a millennial. Generation Y, born between the birth of AIDS and 9-11, give or take. Hi, I'm Tate. I'm dead. I'm good. Female beauty relies on preservation. Like, you have to, like, preserve your beauty instead of achieving it, almost. You know, like, I mean, now with surgery and stuff and, like, you know, getting fillers and life, people can change their faces. But, like... I think, like, traditionally for women, the idea was to, like, if you were born beautiful, the idea was to, like, preserve that for as long as possible, sort of, so you you kind of just, like, you know, you know, those, like, classic images of, like, pretty women who, um, like, lay in their beds all day and do nothing, like, the whole, like, wasp aesthetic, and um, I think that still, yeah, that still lives on, despite, like, all the surgeries and body modifications available. I, I, do, I don't think that the body modification thing is, a, it's not sustainable. It's not going to last because hopefully, especially with our informed world, as even the, even though news moves so fast, people are not going to figure out that this is just like, you're, it's 
it's basically poisoning your body and people are going to stop doing it. I mean, there's, you know, for a while for, you know, plastic lifting your face, getting a boob job, but eventually people are going to just figure out that there's no natural way that this is going to work constantly for everybody. And it's probably going to hit them pretty hard in a way that it's going to be another kind of crisis where it's like, Oh no, this is uh, a net negative on too many women in society. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to end well (laughs) at all. But since we're talking about suicide, it triggered a memory of a a very Tumblr thing that existed. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember this? The most beautiful suicide? No. I remember seeing it all over the place. Do you not remember this? No. I remember like this constantly. But it was like, I don't know if it was real, but I guess it was because it's like a genuinely old photo. Um, not like hundreds of years old, but like it's happened in like the mid-century of like the last century. Um, and it's like a woman who like jumped off a building and like landed super gracefully. Oh, that, so, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she looks all like nice. She's like laying on her back. Her like face is like angled the perfect way. That's insane because it's like the same thing where like she's basically preserved herself in a suicide. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read or seen Valley of the Dolls, but like, you know, the character of Jennifer played by yes. Sharon Tate, like the fact that she commits suicide instead of, you know, getting <laughs> getting surgery to remove her breast because she has breast cancer. Um, that That's like the, the female yeah. ideal, basically. And it's not even something that we're meant to aspire to, right? Because like, I've never... What I'm trying to say is that I think naturally the the desire for beauty and the strive for beauty comes to women very naturally from a really young age. And I don't even necessarily think that it's a nurture thing as much as it's a nature thing, because I think it's a very natural thing for people to want to strive for something beautiful. And if anything, our, our society, it like, it tries to stop us from doing that. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I agree because I was actually recently thinking about this because I do follow and I've like read enough, um, just semi out of agreeing, semi out of interest, like enough feminist, radical feminist. Ooh, <laughs> no word. I still think, yeah, I still think that even if a lot of their ideals come to fruition, and um, even not if we kill all men, but you know, <laughs> some of their standards come in. I still think that. A lot of beauty standards, um, maybe not some of the more insane ones, like maybe not the surgeries, maybe not some like really corseting or like something that will like, genuinely hurt you. And, it, you know, maybe not like pornographic standards, but they, they will still exist because there's like an enormous amount of radical feminists now, the younger ones, like they still abide by like getting acrylic nails and getting pedicures. Yeah. Like it's not going to stop. You can, you know, you can get rid of patriarchal standards. Women's still want still are going to want to be beautiful. They still want to, you know, go to the salon or get massages or get a facial. It's just, it's not going to go away because so many of these things are like driven by women anyway. Like, yeah, those like, industries yeah, are like dominated by women. Cosmetology is like akin to alchemy in the female world. For sure. I think, I mean, a lot of women are drawn to that. A lot of women do become, you know, like hairstylists and stuff, like not just out of need, but because it is something, it is something beautiful. And it's like, you work with your hands and you make other people beautiful. But what is thought about that? I don't know. I think beauty salons in general have this like 
I really love beauty salons. Like I love going to the hairdresser and stuff because it's just, it just has such good vibes (laughs) to like be sitting there and, you know, you get like, and it's just all women. It's just like all gossip and and it's nice. It's like a nice feeling. I don't go to the hair salon enough. Like my hair is like, you can sleep. Oh damn. It's long. (laughs) Yeah. I get it only, I only get a cut once a year. And uh, like last time I got a cut, it was down to my knees and I got a cut like, I don't know, like a foot off or something. Damn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I don't go to the hair salon enough, but my mom does. So like she has like the same experience of like she always talks to this like lady that she's never met before and then she talks to her hairdresser and she talks to the manicures there, shocks the owner. And it's like it's all women and why would you want to get a, rid of a this space that exists? You don't. Like it's yeah. great. Well, you want it to be there. It's funny that like just now when you mentioned like yeah like the the salons and like just women in there I thought of that you know like in the third season of American Horror Story, um the the widow queen she like works at a salon right yes. like yeah. yeah she owned this hair salon yeah again like it's like literal witches like doing their little like experiments on whatever like it's it's a very yeah it's a very female thing. And it doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with beauty standards in the sense that, like, like if you look at the nails that women usually get and stuff, like, there's no way men care about that. Like, no fucking way. They don't even notice that shit. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just a female, it's just a female thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a communal thing. You want to have something that you can gather over and talk about. Yeah. Because even who, women who don't get their nails done, they notice it and they like it. Yeah. It's just, it's just something that, you know... It's just there to enjoy for with all the women around you, hundred percent. Like I, I am thinking, like remember the? Are you, well, I mean, everybody's seen the book. Those are beehive hairstyles from the sixties. Yeah. What man is like? Yeah, let me have a woman with a beehive <laughs> on her head. Like that's insane. That's not the way. That is like the. Yeah, I'm like looking for the woman with the biggest beard. Is the way you're getting your wife, <laughs> or like you know, no, it was like, like a woman. It was a woman's thing that she was like, yeah, this is the hairstyle I want. But <laughs> somehow it like caught on and became popular. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how. But yeah, a lot of like a lot of times I'm looking at hairstyles from like like 50 years ago, and like I like I love Elizabeth Taylor's hairstyles. Like I have a bad that I got like a couple days ago with like her on it I'm like I don't know how you keep this up but it's gorgeous no man just like thinking about that no man was like looking through the store that I was at like the antique store I'm like yeah so like all these Debbie Reynolds and Elizabeth Taylor magazine it's like yeah it's all about the hair <laughs> no for sure no that's, that's definitely true because I think also like like I know definitely like there's points in my life where um I did my makeup and I was like, this is no way that this is attracting any man because I had like purple eyeshadow <laughs> with like huge wings and like black lipstick. Like, you know, I'm not saying this is like the best look for me. Uh, <laughs> I still look back on it. I'm like, I think I look pretty good. I was like, I was pretty good at doing my makeup. But I was like, yeah, no way this is like the way I'm getting approached by anybody. <laughs> yeah, if anything scares anyone, like everybody at once. Oh, yeah, 100%. For sure. Yeah, and like I remember I went to a, a, a really awful the uh, Christmas New Year's party and uh, I did like I did like makeup I did my makeup and it looked really good like that time I wasn't wearing anything like too old but it was like nice and like this girl she was like oh my god you look like you could be like I, I know I'm flattering myself but this like she's like oh you look like you could be on Instagram 
And I was like, that is so nice. And I was like, no guy there cared. But she was like, nice. I was like, that is like the nicest thing. Thank you so much. That's such a funny thing to say to someone, though. It was weird, but it was like really, I know she meant it in like a way like this is like very like something you could post and get like, you know, you know, it looks professional and stuff like that. I was like, that is so nice because like I tried. Thank you. That's really cute. It was kind of weird, but like I know what she meant by it, but it was like. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like this is who cares about what I'm putting on my face. This is because we're going to the same Sephora. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think women just do stuff for other women. Honestly, not like in a gay way. Just like in a like a. I just yeah, like it's a it's a woman's world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I hope it's a woman's world because <laughs> it makes it better for everybody honestly yeah no but it's also like this is the thing about american horror story as well that it's basically i know i mean i know guys watched it but like it was basically a show for girls and it was basically a show for women and it still is because yes also like if you look i mean i don't have statistics or anything but i'm pretty sure that if you were to look at like demographics of people who watch like binge watch tv shows it's almost like it's women. It's definitely women. Because mm-hmm. it's the only people you see, like, posting about it. It's the only women who are, like... It's the only people who are really committed to, like, the whole fandom thing. Like, it's always, like, teen girls and, like, older, sad women who do that stuff. <laughs> but I don't, I don't need to be predicting my future now. So. <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, I think... I also think... Uh, I also think women, like, are more committed to, like, completing anything. Like, completing a novel. Completing a film in, like, its entirety. Um, I don't think guys are, like, as ready to sit down and watch an entire season or, like, read an entire book. And so I think it comes from that, too. Like, if a woman is, like, ready to binge watch something or ready to read a book, like, she's just ready to do that. True, but I think that's... And, yeah, so it's definitely... So, yeah, that, that 100% makes sense that they would be the ones who are watching the majority of shows and they're like that and losing their ratings, losing, like, their... Uh, the amount of money they're earning, but also the ones who are watching them, of course. But it's definitely, it definitely is uh, made for women. There's just like not much for men to like really grab onto. Like every kind, everything has to have like every, every form of media has to have like an opening for you to be like, I kind of relate to it, and I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, of course, it doesn't have that much for men in there because like in the first season, it's teenage girls with Violet. It's, uh, like, spousal issues with, like, her parents. Um, mm-hmm. Cheating, which is also usually catered more to women. Um, then there's the two gay guys. Men don't really care unless they're gay <laughs> about gay guys. Uh, and then there's Jessica Lang's character, who is a mom. Insane, but also still catered to women. Yeah. Um, she's also older, which is not always, I mean, for some men, it is not always the appeal for men and then there's Tate who is the appeal for teenage girls so like basically every character in, in every plot line there is made for teenage girls and older women just like you said the people who are usually binge watching television sure. and the second the second season is basically the same way and that one also has like uh, Sarah Paulson's character is a lesbian so that you, now you get this lesbian demographic yeah no but it's really funny yeah it's basically it's basically yeah and now he's basically catering to every kind of like women out there other than maybe like the ones who are in their 
or I don't know, late later twenties or something who may be actually having active lives. But then again, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing because I'm not in my late twenties. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. But I think also like there's something about like I think women are more inclined towards like fandoms and like celebrity worship in this very particular way. Um, and like, cause if you look, cause I don't, I think I've ever, you know, like American Horror Story had like a huge fandom on like Tumblr and like all of that stuff, like different yeah. ships, like different conversations and stuff. And like, it still has a fandom. Like people are still like making like video edits of like even newer seasons yes. on Instagram. Like I come across it's sometimes the, the guy, um, I don't know if you've seen it. You know, the, like, blonde actor. He, like, played a bunch of characters in later seasons. He's like, Yeah, oh. I've seen him. I really don't like him. I really cannot stand to look at him. He Maybe that's just me, but I... really strange face. Like, a very strange face. Is he, he was also on House of Cards, which I the season I didn't watch. But I, I also... I just can't, can't watch him. I don't know why. But I know who exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, no. He has, like, a really strange face. And he no. was... Yeah, he was on, like... Um, like yeah people like make video edits of him and like the later seasons and stuff so there's still a fandom out there but i think fandoms in general like yeah are more they consist of teen girls especially like you know those like k-pop fandoms or like j-pop fandoms like just insane i mean even like the beatles have a fandom (laughs) and they like of course they do it's like insane why wouldn't they is the question. Yeah, it's the most logical thing, clearly. But it's, yeah. like, it's always girls. Like, I don't... I can't imagine a single guy being, like, a part no. of a fandom. No. Like, writing fanfics yeah. about, like, HS characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Beatlemania was such a big thing. Why would, why would they not have a fandom now? They probably... You know, I, I guess teenage girls really haven't changed since the 60s. So if Beatlemania was a big thing in the 60s, why would, you know, why wouldn't they attract the same kind of you know, insane insanity now. Yeah, plus people are, like, drawn to anything vintage. Like, yes. you know, they're, like, girls dressing up in, like, yeah, 70s clothes and stuff and, like, like pretending that they still live in the 70s while, like, posting, like, reels on Instagram. But, like... Oh, yeah, those kind of bother me. I'm, every time I see those, I'm like, it seems like a cope for something. Yeah, scary. Definitely. Yeah, it is strange because I like vintage things. I collect older things. Like, I still buy VHS tapes, but I also have a VHS player. So I, I actually, have, I sound like I'm collecting them for nothing. I can play these VHS tapes. I still own VHS tapes from when I was younger. You know, so it's like, I collect like separate things. But I'm not going to spend my life living like that in the 70s. That's very, very strange. It's very bizarre. And then like, it's yes. almost like, and yeah, and so they sell, you know, they like create brands. But I mean, it's okay if it's like a business grift, right? But like a lot yes. of them, like a lot of them do seem very committed to the, committed to the whole thing isn't like, they seem very attached to that like lifestyle and the lifestyle yeah. that they've never had. So, but then again, like they're posting that on Instagram, they're posting it on social media and they're like, yeah, putting it out there for everyone to see basically, which is like scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is very strange. And like, I, I mean, like I, said, I grew up like being obsessed with like older movies, but I've never had like desire to be like, yeah, I want to live in one of those old movies. Like, it's always been, like, something I'm just, like, this is the world I watch. Does this, like, it's, it's separate. I, I, it's very strange for me. But also, like, uh, I think, I, you yeah. know, like, the whole, like, oh, I was, I was born in the wrong de- uh, generation thing. Yeah, I think, like, yeah. it's, it makes a lot of sense, especially now when, like, literally almost nothing new is ever being produced. And the stuff that's yes. being produced now is 
a lot worse than the stuff that was being produced like 40 years ago. But like, I think there's a difference between wanting to be a part of that time and like Mm -hmm. thinking about how it would have felt like to like, you know, be a teen in the 90s and actually acting like you are one. Like it's literally schizophrenic Mm -hmm. to do that. I don't understand why like no one's like, I don't know, doing anything about it. But it's like, yeah, like they'll decorate their rooms like you decorate them in the 70s and like hang up like Beatles poster posters and stuff and like write fanfics like it's just really creepy yeah it's right yeah uh yeah and they're definitely missing something in their life like they're definitely like not fulfilled in a way that you know I, I, I never I never say seek professional help because I, professional help just is a detriment most of the time <laughs> but you know seek some help you know, at least maybe just sit in your room, not covered in Beatles posters, and just think to yourself in a calm way about why all your decisions have been not correct. Yeah, thank God. I just went to, oh my God, I'm so sorry. No. I'm just like so perfect and everything. Like, I'm not in any way. But my room actually isn't decorated um, in any way. So at least I have that going for me that nobody can accuse me of trying to pretend to live in another decade <laughs> um no but it is like a very scary and schizophrenic thing that's happening online but um i think it's also funny that american horror story um like it jumps back and forth in time right so you have like seasons because like one of their seasons was like based in the 80s and that's so popular right now in like media in general the 80s but yeah they do and i, I think that definitely like before we were mentioning how media contributes it definitely contributes to the way people want to live because they see an idealized, like really easy version of the past that they can just replicate. Yeah. And for sure. And, and like the thing, like I watched a couple episodes of the 80s season and it was basically like, yeah, you just have that like really bright, I mean, completely incorrect, like, yes. <laughs> like bright, like, you know, s- aesthetic and, like divorced of any of like the actual stuff that made the 80s great like the grime and like you know like the eroticism and stuff completely divorced of any of that so you have this like sterilized version of the 80s um with all the bright neon colors that is like yeah like packaged and sold like as a product and not as like a piece of art because it's not like yeah it's not like even aspiring to really like replicate anything from the 80s because you know like at least with like stuff like the joker and stuff which was a terribly and like a terrible and ugly movie but like at least and it was like meant to be set in the 70s right but at least they like try to replicate it with like i don't know like the 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 camera quality and stuff they failed but they tried I've never seen the Joker, but you're actually one of the first people who's like genuinely like said it like to my face so it's bad so (laughs) Um, I do value your opinion. I have like been meaning to watch it, but it's just like I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very random at like what I watch movies. I like watch the most obscure or like random things, or like sometimes I'll rewatch a movie. But I've been like watching movies with my brother recently, so it's not like I'll rewatch them myself. So like we've been rewatching The Godfather. That's cool. Because cool. it's like he hasn't seen them, but I have, so I'll just watch them for him. No, it's, it's cool. That was a side note, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't get, I don't really get the obsession with the 80s. I like the 80s, but at the same time, that's because I've seen, like, movies genuinely from the 80s, shows genuinely from the 80s. So I haven't been, like, sold a repackaged thing, like you said. Um, and also, like, I, I've seen, like, so many photos and um, 
the music like from 80s new york which is like a point in location and point in time which i value so much um and i would like to just only know more about so that like i i would never understand the obsession of just like listening to like one band played over uh you know a, a girl in like pink outfit wearing pink blush and a blonde it's like a weird blonde haircut that probably was actually popular in the 2000s yeah that's literally all it is no, definitely, because it is, yeah, it's not even, like, an imitation of anything from the past as much as it is, like, a rewriting of anything that happened in the past, which, again, he does with Pose as well, where he, like, created this separate universe that never existed and, like, made it brighter and prettier and so that it would appeal to, like, younger people online. Well, yeah, it's it's basically a process of making everything PG and yeah. like palatable to everybody like i i always see and i've seen it before because like when we when i watch uh like something more catered to like kids once again with my brothers uh we watch something from like made in the 90s and then we watch something made now it's like oh wow it's like so polished and so clear now and back then it was like first of all like maybe the quality is a little lower but like the the, the phrases they use like the innuendos or like even like the words they said were like yeah they could get away with so much but now even in television made for adults that no child is supposed to get near, it's all supposed to be like the most just sterile thing ever. Yeah. I don't know why. No, but, it's... Well, I mean, I guess I know why. I always say I don't know, but, you know, it's not that hard to figure out because they don't really want anybody kind of thinking that anything in the past was more interesting than it is now. They want everything to be as sterile as, as it is now because... Why would you want to know that there was better art in the past that you could enjoy, that you could go look at? Even in a museum, why would you want people to send people to a museum, send people to movies made from the past, send people looking for things that are better? Uh, No, for sure. But I think also the thing is, even if they tried to make it, um, you know, as grimy and cool as stuff was in the past, they couldn't possibly do that oh, because no. it doesn't, like, for that to happen, that stuff needs to actually happen in real life as well. Like, they need to draw inspiration from something. If you can only draw inspiration from other fictional things and other forms of media and be inspired by them and then try to replicate it, this is exactly what you end up with. Like, you end up with, like, Ryan Murphy shows and, like, literally anything produced by, like, HBO and stuff where it's, like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, an imitation of, like, taboo stuff from the past without actually, like, doing any of the taboo stuff in real life. Like, it's not like even like bad movies from the 70s and stuff like have that like you know like raunchy feeling to them oh yeah while as now it's like while everything is so sterile how could you possibly like translate anything cool on screen like it wouldn't work yeah um which is like really sad of course yeah um that's why I always tell people like it's like they ask me for like what do you want to watch as like newer I'm like yeah just like don't watch anything like me us or like made on a streaming platform i would just tell them to go watch something with subtitles which is kind of like not is the best advice exactly because you can get plenty of terrible things that you know are foreign but i'm like yeah you maybe have a better bet of getting something interesting but i mean um, bad i don't movies, even keep up but bad movies are good too like you can you can tear you can watch terrible movies from the past and still get like the same 
feeling in a way. Like, you know, like, you know, when you watch something and you know, it's bad, but like it appeals to like, I don't know. I'm thinking like, like, I don't know, like eighties, like erotic thrillers, but like not like basic instinct or anything, but like the really bad ones (laughs) that like are forgotten. No one talks about them. You can watch those and you can still get like the same sort of like racy feeling from them. Well, as yeah, that doesn't happen with anything now because even the good stuff, even the stuff that's like critically acclaimed, even the stuff that's supposed to be like appealing and kind of looks cool from a distance, doesn't have any emotion to it. No, I think yeah, I think that's the worst thing about it is uh, one, it's um, the amount of content they they can make versus the quality, uh, and that's like even the problem with Netflix because they had that. Um, Thing that they did and i remember seeing it i forget what exactly it was but it was like the beginning of the year where they're like what are they gonna make a movie every day and they, they posted into a thread or something and they had like a trailer with like a bunch of celebrities i think like the rock was in or something. Like, oh no <laughs> it was like so it was like a bunch of like you know really famous celebrities but like people aren't really bored by at this point like i'm even bored by Salma Haya. as bad as that sounds <laughs> she's really beautiful but i'm kind of bored by her because i'm like well you know, it's like you're just you're doing Netflix stuff and like action movies. I don't really care. And I'm definitely bored by The Rock, <laughs> uh, of course. Uh, so yeah, it's like I was like, oh, so you're just gonna release a hundred movies for the first hundred days of the year? That's that's absurd. That's insane. That's uh, that's awful. There could be nothing worse for film than you just releasing a hundred movies. But it's not even movies anymore. It's not. Even oh no, they're not films. Movies. They're like yeah, it's no. like. It's like this like uncanny valley thing <laughs> that they've oh, yeah. created now where it's like content. Like it's all swallowed up by this oh, yeah. miasma of content and everything becomes content that's, and like that's exactly what it is. Like I remember posting about it in like a video thread. I was like, I I might write something more about it. I never did because I don't ever have any time. Um and I was like they basically they try to they try to like they try to get rid of genre as like a thing. Like they're not trying to be like, okay, this is an action film, and this is a drama film, and this is a mystery. Um, yeah. Or you know, they're trying to like like put everything together, like mix everything up. So every time you sit down and watch one of their awful Hulu or Netflix originals, if your synapses end up firing at all times, you're you know everything's being like you're enjoying everything. Everything's being pleased immediately. And you're being trained to enjoy it. You're ba- they're basically trying to convince you and like hypnotize you to enjoy all this trash that doesn't have any kind of direction because it's firing all cylinders to everything that's like technically pleasing yeah. to the human mind. There's there's no nuance to it. There's no emotion to it. There's no genre to it. You're, you're not you're not aware of what's actually happening. You just know that you're being pleased by it. And every every new one that they make, they're chipping more and more away at what. Uh, goes into a film what components are necessary to make an artist something a piece of art for sure and it's like yeah as you said it's like an immediate release right like you can put in like it hits you right away hits you in the face you like get all of those immediate needs satisfied like but it doesn't like you know like especially i think it's really evident with like the romantic comedies that like netflix releases that are just awful. Like they're nothing. Yes. They're on one hand, like, yeah, they have all the elements of like a romantic comedy. Like they have like a good, like, I don't know, male lead. He's like pretty and handsome and sweet and whatever. Like they have all these, like all the little pieces fall into place, but something is just not right. And like, you can watch it and you can even enjoy it. But later on, when you sit back, you're like, 
why 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 did I didn't why did I do this to myself? Yeah, it is. It's really strange. It's really strange. And I remember because like, I was listening to your first episode when you did on ASMR. It's like how you how guilty you feel after you listen to all that stuff. But like it is how it was just strange how we maybe you don't feel guilty after watching these movies, but it's strange how much of the media you consume. I won't say another word. <laughs> like, have to. Uh, and you you don't you never feel fulfilled or satisfied you always feel you like you kind of got shoved into some kind of void after you ended up viewing it and that's that's, that's awful because i can't imagine a more depressing world where you can't watch anything and get in any way satisfied because uh, so many of the movies i watch because i don't try not to watch anything on netflix and i don't watch that many movies which may be part of it and I'm like, wow, that was great. I I loved it. And I can keep going and enjoying my life because that made my life better. But I can't imagine if I sat down and constantly watched Netflix movies. Like, I hate watch stuff, which I know people for some reason yeah. like to do, which is another problem uh, in people's lives, which they should stop doing. I would probably constantly feel awful about myself. No, it's funny. Yeah, because everything's been turned into a guilty pleasure now like yeah. people are constantly like yeah i hate watching stuff like hate listening to stuff like just doing things out of spite but like why would you do that like why why would you want to like bring all of this stuff into your life to begin with and as you said like it doesn't it doesn't fulfill you in any way it doesn't make your life better in any way it just like t- like eats up your time it's like binging <laughs> Yeah, and to bring it back to Ryan Murphy, that's why how I feel about most of his production at this point. Like, I kind of wanted to watch the one that he wanted. He did about the nurse. I, was um, like, I can't bring myself to do it because, like, I look at it. And I'm like, everything about this is so displeasing to me. I can, like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, people were like obsessed over it. Every like, um, like if I ever enter, you know, on an off day, rarely I go back to my Tumblr account, which isn't even like my old Tumblr. It's like the one I remade after I left Tumblr. And, like, <laughs> In like 2015, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back after like I spent some amount of months off of it. I was like, because I kept researching things and I can always let me back to Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> the road always leads back to Tumblr. And I was like, and like every time I, and I was like, I kept seeing it from like all the um, annoying lesbians that I followed back <laughs> in the day. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and I, I was like, and I still can't bring it. I was like, no, like, yeah, all these people I used to kind of be friendly with and I used to, like their opinions now i can't know they have surpassed this in so much maybe not in a positive way but like whatever way i passed it i passed and i can never go back i can never <laughs> force myself to watch no yeah but that's that's another thing that i think is because the, the the nurse show right like the ratchet show um it was yeah. based on a nurse from some movie i don't was, isn't it one flowers of cuckoo's nest i think so yeah i think yeah. so um, and like, it's so insane. It's so bizarre and it's so demonic that you yes. can just like pick a character from a movie yes. and like and just spit it off in a show. Yeah, not in the movie, a show, a show is that no is one like asked for. No, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody ever wanted that movie. Like, uh, that show, sorry. Like, no one ever wanted to see that. It's it's just, like, by this point, he's just fulfilling all of his little, like, I don't know, gay desires that he's ever oh, had yeah, as a this. kid. That's what I was talking about, the bondage, and now he's being released. It's like, now he's getting all these kinks yeah. into, uh, in, like, into the world, and it's like... It's disgusting. Oh, it's, it's, I don't understand why we're being subjected to it. He's just like, no one should ever have all of their desires satisfied. That's not how life works. No. And this man is like, like free those, to do anything. 
It's like those people doing leather and like puppy stuff on the subway in New York. This is what he was doing, <laughs> except he's a millionaire in Hollywood. Exactly. He's just like, yeah, putting all of his kings out there for everyone to watch. You know, you know, like people on Twitter like a couple of weeks ago were like really concerned about kink at Pride and stuff. They should oh, be concerned yes. about his kings being out there yes. because it's fucking insane. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely absurd. Since we're going into other shows other than Raven Horror Story, um, Feud? Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, I didn't watch. I couldn't do it. I didn't watch it. I I lied to my friend about finishing it. I never finished it. I only watched a few episodes. (laughs) Once again, I'm still a big fan of just lying. I think she's an amazing actress. To the point where she did that play on Broadway, I went to see it. Oh, she's actually, she's cool. she's actually she's really good. She won a Tony for it. That was well deserved. She's um, she's actually cool. actually really good. I, I could watch. It's not that she was bad in it, but the season Sarandon's bad in it. It's just the optics of the entire thing. <laughs> I was just like, and I am a big fan of old movies. Joan Crawford and Betty Davis are some of my favorite actresses. I love their movies. I watched. I've been watching them for many years. But nothing of not all of it was unbelievably unsettling. Yeah, because and also no one cheap. Could... Also beyond cheap, it was like so cheaply done. I don't know how he hyped it up, all did all that marketing, and it was so cheaply done. That was also bizarre. <laughs> probably did it out of his own pocket because I don't see anyone fucking financing the project. I just don't like. I don't. Yeah, it's just I don't understand why he can just do these things to everybody and everyone goes along with it. And he has all these like, you know, talented actresses and actors working for him. And they're just like forever going to be like stuck in this like Ryan Murphy limbo. Speaking of limbo, have you heard the bizarre theory that like um, American Horror Story is like Dante's Inferno and like every season is a new circle of hell? Yes, I have heard that. I've heard so many theories. It's um, yes, I have, and I've I've read all the connections between the seasons. I've read, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, if it's has to do with hell and Ryan Murphy and demons and Ryan Murphy, I'll just choose to believe it because he's probably subjecting all of everybody involved and all of the people who have like laid their eyes on his productions to some kind of torture. For sure. Kind of definite torture. Yeah, we're like selling our souls, I don't know, one piece at a time while watching his shows. It's like a public humiliation ritual. Blaming all my life's failures <laughs> watching Ryan Murphy productions at a young age. Honestly, everyone everyone should do that. I think we could like collectively sue him for like ruining society because it's awful. Because there's so many shows. Like I yes, don't even know so which many. ones he I, has. I never understood where he gets the money to do all this, who is actively supporting him. And I, oh my God, this is the one thing, and I I don't know where this came from, but this was also during the time of feud, and this was like the last stage of my time paying attention to him before I was like, yeah, I am, I can see it in the news or when people post about this, but I'm done with this. He was presenting at a woman in Hollywood foundation that I'm pretty sure he started. (laughs) And he had Jessica Lange and Susan Strandon standing behind him. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> and there's like a bunch of women in the audience talking. I don't know how he does that. The funny thing Who is, he allows him to do this. I don't know. Just, everyone just gave up, but it's Ryan Murphy's world now. He can do anything. But like, the funny thing is, is that like he was originally a journalist. 
He was a journalist who worked for the New York Times. He graduated from Indiana University. Um, and yeah, he, he was a journalist. So like, that's further proof that journalists should not but be yeah, with anything. No, that makes all the sense of the world. We have to make sure we have to keep tabs on all the New York Times journalists and make sure they don't follow any path Hollywood because, oh my God, another one? <laughs> no, we wouldn't survive it, but it's funny. like. How did he go from working for the New York Times? I think it was the New York Times. Maybe I'm like completely wrong. But he definitely worked at some like famous magazine in New York. And how... And then in the span of like a couple of years, he did that Nick and Tuck show. And then... Yeah. How? Like how? Like how did that happen? No, no. He met that Brad Falchuk is his name. And then they co-produced a bunch of the shows together. I think they did Glee. I'm pretty sure they did Nip Tuck together. They were definitely, they definitely did American Horror Story because I remember yeah. both their names being on it. He's uh, married to Gwyneth you know, Paltrow, thing? right? Brett Paltrow. What? Uh, Brett yes, Paltrow. Yes, he is. He's one yeah. Uh, <laughs> also another piece of the puzzle, like, Gwyneth Paltrow is very, very close to, on, like, the, the, the rings of hell now, um, <laughs> to Ryan Murphy. Uh, nobody really talks about that Brad guy because yeah. he's, like, a lot less vocal. I wonder what uh, happened. Like, he's obviously, um, part of the issue here definitely it's, it's so confusing i don't understand <laughs> yeah no, no, it makes no sense at all uh when like as i mentioned before um this is before we started recording he had i don't i never watched it and, and i know won't can't um risk the damage at this point he had katrina Neuf on world famous french actress <laughs> Look regular at the Cannes Film Festival <laughs> on his show. Complete icon too. <laughs> yeah, complete icon. Like I love her. Like y'all words, I guess she's amazing. It's crazy. That, that was his first show, like or one of his first shows. How did he manage this? I don't know. I mean, this is again to like go back to that. This is what happens when you sell your soul to the devil. <laughs> like, there's no other explanation. I don't think he comes from a rich family. I don't think he comes from a Hollywood yeah, family. Yeah, that's also. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I'm pretty sure he's like from the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Like I'm pretty sure yeah. that's where he's from. Cause yeah, he went... was, honestly, was, it, the only thing weirder it was like if I did this, <laughs> it's like I come from like uh, not exactly middle of nowhere, but like close of of the East Coast. But also from an immigrant family, this would be like a step down if I did this, you know. <laughs> but it's about the same level of weird. No, it's bizarre. Yeah, just very strange. <laughs> And now we're all just like suffering from the consequences of having grown up in Ryan Murphy shows. At least, you know, I think if you have to pick your poison, I think American Horror Story is a better thing to be attached to than Glee. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm I only watched that show once. I don't really remember it. I I knew people who were Gleeks. That was a that? name. <laughs> No, that was her name, Gleeks. I just it's awful. That. It's sad. Yeah, no. Um, I had a friend. He like really tried to go to the um, the shows that they did live. He listened. No, I uh, I was never. He like said he basically told basically said, "Oh, you're a mobile. You have to watch it." Um, I was like, yes, sure, friend. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, and we don't talk anymore as well. That's not the reason, but that might as, <laughs> might as well be. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad I'm doing my thing. I did write a paper at my first college course um, 
about Glee because it was like a media, it was like English in media, like combined course. Uh-huh. I don't know why. But she was like, pick a show out of these. And I was like, well, I haven't seen any of these, but I've seen Glee. So I'll write it. I'll pick an episode. Oh, no. And I'll write an essay about it. So I have like a three page or four page paper about Glee. <laughs> That will never see the light of day. What was the one professor what was the at a university I don't go to? What was the thesis for the paper? What was the thesis? I don't even <laughs> I just genuinely don't remember. It was like something about like the way they represented for things in the media, and like the media had to be like at like teenage oriented shows since like the majority of us were like you know just out of high school. So, and at the time I wasn't. I graduated high school early, so I was like sixteen. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> That's really young. Or like, yes. Yeah. So I was like, yes, this is like, yeah. So I was really young. So that was a thing that I did. I also wrote one about Friday Night Lights, which I watched um, barely even the first season of to write. Yes, I am. Oh, wow. That was interesting. But actually, there is something to be said about, like, the way that Glee influenced people, like, you know, teenagers and their presentation on social media, because I think a lot of, like, the, you know, the queer obsessions that started had something to do with that show, because, like... Yeah, the the, gay guys and the way they were shipped and everything. Yeah, not even, like, isn't... When I say, like, queer kids on social media, I don't mean, like, actual, like, lesbians or gay people. I mean, like... Like creepy girls who would write fan yes. things about like two gay characters, like that kind 100%. of queer. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, those are. I try. I try to never associate with anybody like that. And I, I think, thankfully, I never really have. Um, part of you know having like a, a genuine like curve towards like more genuine depression than like actual like loneliness helped with like never associating with anybody who I. I disliked I was like always um, could always do something to alienate everybody at a especially at a teenage um, level so that was very helpful to never having met anybody that was queer in that way <laughs> I mean queer is the perfect word for it like you know <laughs> like you you want to say in a way that offends them yeah so you want to be mean in the group yeah, queer in the traditional way that was used as like a slur, not yeah. queer in like the weird yes. like no. new no, rainbow no, flag no, kind no, of 100%. way. Yeah, no, it's creepy. It's very creepy. It's like, I mean, how how is that like a normal phenomenon that there are like teenage girls who write fanfics about adult gay men, like and ship them together and like I don't know. women. I mean, women in general are really obsessed with gay men. I think. I never understood it. I mean, it's like, part, I mean, a lot of it is like part of like, like the, the transition and stuff like that, like that girls do now, where like they transition to men. Like it's part of it. Like, I think part of it is like the, they were obsessed with gay guys and they're like, well, I'm so in tune with them. There's only come one. And that's one of the theories as like, this is why some of them do it. It's not like the only reason. Yeah. Um, right now, like I've heard that one before, had, um, knowing something about the topic. But uh, also, I, I don't know. I know some people have, like, theorized it as, like, male characters, even, like, the ones who are, like, in romantic relationships are more fleshed out, so they feel a connection, whereas, like, female characters are never fleshed out. I'm like, that's, like, not true. No, that's not true that's, like, at all. That's, like, not true. And I'm like, I really, I never really understood that theory because, sure, there's, like, some TV shows nowadays that are, like, that their female characters might be stupid and like that but that's like bad tv usually yeah no i think it's it's it's, not about 
I mean, it's a fetish. Characters. It's a sexual thing. Yeah. It's not. It's yeah, not like it's not a fault of the media or anything. It's literally yeah. just. A, it's literally just yeah. a sexual thing. It's the same way that like men like watching lesbian porn, but like women yeah. are genuinely more aroused by like romantic storylines rather than actual yeah. porn. So they won't yeah, actually exactly. watch porn of those, you know, two whatever teen gay boys fucking, but they will. Yeah. They will watch hours and hours of them, like, you know, like, YouTube compilations of them, like, making yes. out or, like, write fanfics about, like, their little romantic dates. Like, and it's the thing. I remember, like, back in Tumblr in, like, 2012, I remember reading this, like, post by someone, this girl who was, like, talking about how, like, she she was, like, 15. She was, like, talking about how she has a boyfriend, but she doesn't feel sexually attracted to him. But not because she's gay and she's attracted to girls, but because the only thing that she is aroused by are gay men. And I was, and I remember thinking, I was like, "Well, thank God, that sounds mean. That sounds awful." Yeah, it does. It's definitely. I'm pretty sure there's a name for it that I'm not recalling, but I'm pretty sure you have to say because it is a fetish. I'm pretty sure there's a name for that. Um, I mean, there's a name for most fetishes, and I'm pretty sure that definitely is. Like I said, like it definitely isn't a part in like why some girls decide that they want to become gay boys, like. They want to fulfill a fantasy the point where they want to become that. So, it, yeah, it's, there's definitely an A for it like, that I'm not remembering at this point. But it's, I think it's something that's been like slightly analyzed by the psychiatric field. But um, the psychiatric field doesn't really analyze like much like sexual deviancy, if you want to get, like that's the way to call it. Um, like, still I mean, Freud, they disavowed, they, yeah, they disavowed Freud to a point where they're like, well, since we don't like him so much. Uh, we can't even um, do anything akin to what he did before. <laughs> Not even if it's like the you know the way we did it is going to be a lot more normal, and we won't be strange about it, and we'll be norm- more normal people and uh, better doctors about it. Uh, they still won't touch it, which is kind of bad because then we're going to have a growth in like people embracing their sexuality, which we already have. Yeah, like their sexuality. I mean, just like you mentioned before, the kick of pride. Yeah. The whole discussion is just um, very. Uh, no, absolutely. No, 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 no good comments. Yeah, but I mean, it, that discussion totally does not belong on Twitter or like anywhere in the cybersphere. Like, I think sexuality in general, like that's that's the thing about the internet. It completely it ruins anything erotic because yes. there is just so much like there's so much nudity and there's so much porn that like you become desanticized like you just like you can't it's the same thing with like the modern film industry where it's like it activates your whole brain it like overstimulates you and it makes you incapable of actually like enjoying any of what you're seeing so like anything related to sexuality on like social media and stuff is like by definition not erotic like it can't be oh no definitely it, yeah i think yeah it's, it's the worst part is that it's like not erotic but also like ruins the culture brand like, yeah that just, it's like a net loss for you like how does that work where you're it's it's absolutely displeasing to any part of like beauty and the things like that's what i always like that's what we say like if you want to like truly have your kids and i don't mean like little kids i mean like you know your teenagers like know what like true beauty is and like because like this is what my parents said to me and like you know you want them to like truly appreciate um the human form so you want to take them to museums you want them to see like statues and paintings of like you know they're, they're gonna be nude yeah but that makes it normal and it's beautiful 
Yeah. And they're going to appreciate things in a normal light where it's genuinely at the highest art that it could possibly be. But instead, think of them said that you have like actual kids, not like teenagers or like the ones who take museums and like have appreciate appreciation for like the actual greatness of like the world through like the lens of art. They have, like, you know, kids watching porn on the internet. Yeah. And ruining their brains from the youngest age to the point where it's in disrepair. I mean, I remember watching porn when I was, like, nine. <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> like, not, like, not even, like, deliberate. I just remember, like, coming up on YouTube because porn was still on YouTube back then. I don't know if I'm, like, completely, but I swear to God there was porn on YouTube when I was growing up. I and think I'm, you're right. There's definitely some stuff like that, but I don't really remember... My my thing was like I I know I had like technically unfiltered access to the internet, but I also told my mom everything that I saw on the internet, so it wasn't really unfiltered because I just told her everything. That's cute. That's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it was I like was... you know I I told her everything that I see. So now now she's equally as disturbed as I am. She <laughs> knows everything I see on Twitter. <laughs> that's probably yeah that's probably good no for me yeah I was completely I was like left to my own devices online like I remember um my parents got me like a smartphone when I was like yeah like eight or something and I remember uh I have this like distinct memory of like me opening the YouTube app that was like on you know like it was on iPhones just like be- be- like you didn't even have to download back then and I remember and one of the first videos was like um like people like having sex in the staircase and I remember oh my, my mom being like like it was like a new iPhone that was just like in the recommended just by it was like a two-minute clip so I don't think it was like explicit right but like still I remember her saying like I remember turning to my dad and being like is this a good idea <laughs> like is this a good idea giving her this phone and he was like just gonna see that stuff anyway <laughs> Like just gave it to me and I was like, okay, I guess I'm just I'm just gonna do my thing now. That's really that's insane. Yeah, no, I mean I think I was really lucky because I I had I think I had my first smartphone. I didn't have I had a phone pretty early on compared to like people around me, but I didn't have like an actual smartphone with like good internet access. I think an iPod in like fourth grade. And I remember, like, we would, like, occasionally search, like, naughtier things with my friends, but we never really actually saw anything. Interesting. And we weren't searching anything genuinely naughty. <laughs> it was, like, it, you know, it, it was naughty for a fourth grader. Uh, not naughty for a um, adult. <laughs> so, yeah. And we didn't see anything. I think, like, the, yeah, the closest we got was, like, maybe people in, like, their underwear or, like, in, like, something close, something resembling now, like, a lingerie ad. But like lower quality, but we never saw anything bad. Um, and yeah, and of course we watched like the stupid stuff on YouTube with all the comedy skits from like you know the you know the usual suspects. Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty lucky. I don't think I, because I think I before I think the closest I got to anything pornographic is um I was told by a teacher to do typing games because I was a terrible typer. Yeah. And I typed in typing games and I scrolled down. Um, to avoid the ones that you have to like pay for or the ones that were like, associated with school and I got to ones where like you type and the woman gets naked and I was like oh my god and I exited it out um, that's the closest I got but that was the first oh. lucky you I honestly I, was- <laughs> I feel like my brain was completely destroyed by that from a very young age I mean, I turned out fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like um, say anything bad about my parents. I think I turned out fine, but like, yeah, it just wasn't the right place to be. 
I don't even know if you can call it a place, like cyberspace, whatever. Yeah. It was traumatic, but not as traumatic as <laughs> Ryan Murphy Productions, honestly. Oh, no, no. Nothing will ever surpass um, the abilities of that man, the talent of that man to truly, like, he, no, he, he is the grand psychologist. He's the grand psychiatrist. <laughs> he, he has surpass anybody else's ability to analyze every single population of people in the world and cater to them in the worst, most negative ways possible to truly rot our brains and cause us the most highest level of emotional distress. That is so true. 